Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the Hall of Fame show. And I say very special because we are recording this right after the three of us just watched the Pro Football Hall, well, Honors. I was going to say Hall of Fame Honors, but for us, it's the Hall of Fame Honors, realistically. Uh, it's the award and, show. And, and, the flag, and the flag football honors. Don't forget those. Yes. Yeah. Flag football. There you go. Punctuated at the end by Prince Harry. I might go into more of a rant there. The smorgasbord of shit's coming back. Sorry about that. The poo-poo platter. But I'm yeah. Kirk Buckner along with Evan Nolan. We run so many things. We run a lot of things considering we've never actually met in person. It's amazing. But it's not in Hall of Fame. But the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame. The Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we are beginning a lot of work on the United States Athletics Hall of Fame. So where you're going to be able to vote on the second ever class. We are joined by one of our regular guests and my partner on a, on a bunch of shows that I, I promise are coming back up. I promise, Paul. Paul Lawrence, a Pro Football Hall of Fame expert. Uh, I always say if he doesn't know the Pro Football Hall of Fame related question, you just asked something stupid. That's honestly my take on that. And we all just finished watching. I think we all have a few negative opinions of this, but I think first off, let's just not, not hey, they're they're not all negative. I didn't well, I said a few. They're just yeah, they're they're I just I don't want to give the idea that we're just gonna be bitching here the whole time. They no, did we're, some we're, things very well. Well they yeah, did other I mean, things very, very poor. I was about <laughs> to segue into the first to a congratulations to the seven people who just got selected. But no, you had a step on Superman's cape, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm but about yes. to spin into the wind. It is very windy here. So in Chicago, who knew? But and, yeah, uh, so here in Mount Manitoba, we're reacting to this. And should we just go into the people they've selected and just do our visceral reactions from there? What do you think? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Uh I want to start off with something that was so obvious that it shocked nobody. Julius Peppers is one and done, and done is in inducted this surprises nobody uh clark judge has already written a great piece on the inner workings there and thank you clark for you're one of the few who sort of mm -hmm. lets us in to a hall mm -hmm. of fame process and in what is so many cases shrouded with mystery in a lot of these halls and thank you sir thank you very much for all the work that you do and all the insight that you've given uh, from everything that we suspected and from what he wrote, Julius is in. I think we're all very happy for him. I watched him terrorize us in New Orleans many, many, many times. No shock there. Yeah, and it's also great. Um, you know, the hall sort of separates those players who um, are going to be enshrined. And, of course, this, this class will be in, in Canton in August. In terms of whether they were a primary contributor, that's one way to kind of count you're not inducted, sure, you're not enshrined representing a team. There, mm -hmm. There's no logo on the bus. They, they risk all that. But when you look at the sort of listings of where they played, I think it's historical to point out that he then, he also becomes, right, the first player from the Carolina Panthers to be a primary contributor from that franchise to get in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. and they, Other than that, they've had, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, They've just had um, Reggie White, correct? Is there anyone else I'm missing? I think oh, that's it. You know, his his, his stint there was small enough that they just they they list him, but not as what they call their primary right. contributors. Um, so that's another interesting aspect. And of course, he also had some really great years with the Bears. So he'll probably get like many some players are counted in that primary contributor to more than one franchise 
if they make you know significant contributions to more than one. And I think in his case, I'm sure the Hall will list him both deservingly as a Panther, but also for his time with the Bears. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also spent time with the Packer as well. Yeah. So yes, yeah. Uh, I want to stay on defense. Uh, Patrick Willis. I think that's something that makes the three of us very very happy. I've been on record. You two also have, and Paul, I think you probably feel the same, although I don't think we've ever discussed this. Uh, Patrick Willis is somebody that I've always felt, how the hell did Bryant Young, even though he retired before him, get ahead of him? I I never understood it. I still don't under, I still don't get it, but Patrick Willis was as dominant as you could be for for an eight year career. And, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Well, the issue has been historically with with the Hall and with voters. It's shifted, but he, he was caught up at a time when he first showed up on the ballot. The, the, the Hall was really reluctant to vote almost anybody in under 10 years, let alone somebody who played nine or eight. There's a few historical differences to that. Um, but over, you know, Gail Sayers being probably the most famous one people are aware of. But, you know, as we noticed in recent years in our in our coverage and discussion around the hall, right, we've seen guys like Tony Baselli and some others break through that barrier of having shorter careers. So I think we saw that Willis was finally going to get that opportunity. But kind of going back to what you're saying, Gert, I think he was held back for those first few years on his ballot while that kind of that kind of shift in the voters mind. Um, and guys like Terrell Davis kind of moved forward in that way. And I think Tony Baselli, the most recent kind of short career guy a high peak short career it opened the door for him to suddenly start we started seeing him move right into being a finalist and then now we see him jumping into election because you're right the the peak quality of a career there is just incredible so well deserving even though we didn't get to see him play as long as we would have hoped because of injury i think also of note one of yeah. three people who jumped from the 10 to 15 or 11 to 15 sorry last year was they had the two uh middle linebackers and they decided Zach Thomas was the one they're going to put up who had the longer career and had been waiting longer um and so Willis kind of fell off with Thomas in I'm not if anyone jumped from 11 to 15 that did not surprise me it was Willis mm-hmm. yeah, I think last year there was that log jam in the middle right of the three receivers who fell in mm-hmm. the six to not ten slot mm-hmm. and kind of held out other players that didn't there wasn't room for them then and um i think breaking we're going to talk about in a minute breaking up that log jam did kind of reshuffle what we call the queue and i think that's another reason why there suddenly there was an opening for some of these three guys we talked we're going to talk about that made what made that jump in the queue from the 10 to 15 finalists to all the way to get elected which is um it happens occasionally but to have three of them make that step from one year to the next is what unprecedented, but I think that, you know, the log jump at wide receiver really opened up and the floodwaters just rolled and 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 that's what I think happened. The voters were starting to look at guys who never would have just made that through. Now, suddenly there was an opening for that and they took advantage of it in the sense of the voters did. Yeah. Well, that sort of a, is a great segue to a surprise to, I think, all of us. Uh, must have been my great presentation. Uh, Dwight. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure all 50 voters were uh, tuned in. And uh, look at yours specifically, your presentation. Oh, yeah. I, I, 
I kind of hope not, actually, but I, I do want to point out that there was a good YouTube comment on the work that you did, uh, Evan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you should, you should check that out. Uh, someone very happy yeah. that you're giving us some proper due to him. Uh, but someone I, I thought was going to get in at some point, I never would have pegged him as a second ballot guy. Uh, Dwight Freeney, uh, and I, I just put on the X, and you, you commented on that, Evan. I mean, I, I thought essentially, how did he sort of jump Jared Allen? But you said he jumped a lot more than that, but which he did. Yeah. But Allen was yeah in that same field as him. Uh, Allen had the, the more dominating seasons, I feel, than, than Freeney did. Uh, he had the bigger name in terms of just uh, notoriety, popularity. What happened, do we think? I think two things happened. Uh, one is... The Colts teams of the 90s have no defensive players, and they needed one, essentially, uh, for those teams. Or not the 90s, the two, early 2000s. The early 2000s in, in there. Freeney is the best of those bunch. Uh, uh, Bob Sanders is actually probably the one I feared the most as a Patriots fan, but Sanders had a very short career, uh, unfortunately, for his candidacy as well. Um, Mathis, Robert Mathis is another one who came has been semifinalist before, stuff like that. But the other one that was last year when Demarcus Ware got in, he name dropped Freeney specifically. Um, and as anyone who follows our channel knows, I am not a Jared Allen guy, like at all. Um, but I mean, and, and this number changed drastically recently. Freeney is now up to the 16th defensive end using their pro football Hall of Fame metric. He was not there not long ago. Uh, he was down, I think his score now is like 87 something, and he was down in the 60s before. Um, where, by the way, is number, or not where, um, Peppers, by the way, is number eight for defensive ends. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, I mean, but I, again, I don't see this jumping Jared Allen. I'm surprised. We're going to get to one of the people who was snubbed. I thought that if, one of the people who we expected to make it didn't make it was because we would get two people at one position. And I expected that position to be wide receiver mm -hmm. because we have such a log gem wide receivers. We've had the same three wide receivers a few times now. And then waiting the wings with Anquan Bolden and Steve Smith Sr. We've got to make sure to put that in there. And uh, of course, my personal favorite player of all time, Heinz Ward um, <laughs> and others. Uh, Heinz Ward better. is my least favorite player in the history well i don't know bill romanowski's up there but he's he's with them uh but it just just when we compared him when we did this whole thing with our with our group like comparing neil smith to him comparing um some of the other guys who just haven't had a shot who's the other one i'm thinking of uh leslie o'neill leslie yeah. o'neill to him like there's i don't significantly see the difference between leslie o'neill heading to the seniors pool versus Dwight Freeney getting on in his second ballot. Like there's no so, big thing to me. Like I know Freeney yeah. has a title and Leslie Leo got team got crushed in the in the by the by Steve Young, but like Leslie O'Neill is a better player than Dwight Freeney, in my opinion. I, I think so, there's a pattern, if I could, uh, that I'm sort of noticing and it's and Paul, especially I want, I want your take because I think you've been following this probably longer than both of us, uh, perhaps. 
it feels to me that the recency bias has taken effect a lot more in in year as as we're getting closer and closer to uh, modern day. I, I could be wrong on that, but as to, to Evan's point, I mean, Neil Smith is somebody I'm huge on. Leslie O'Neill, uh, same. I agree with everything that Evan just said, and I wonder, so like, how do these other guys just sort of keep falling away? And when we get to the seniors, we're definitely going to see, as we're to say, recency bias on seniors. But if you're a, a pre-merger Hall of Fame candidate, this is not your day. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, it'd be an interesting study. I haven't done it, to, but to go back and kind of look at the changes on the committee itself. So there's now 50 voters. That number has gradually increased over the last decade or so. And there was just natural attrition, right? People retire off, step off, and new faces come on. You, you know, that's just a normal thing. But, I mean, you might be on to something, Kirk, that it, it's getting to be a larger and younger and more diverse selection pool or sorry selection selection committee of voters mm -hmm. and that, that that could be changing how collectively as a group they look at candidates and you know not again we're talking about the, the the senior pool but it might even be where we're starting to see you know less focus on the guys from the 90s starting to kind of in early 2000s sort of being kind of set aside even though they're still modern eligible and we're seeing guys who you know we played within the last decade or so kind of moving up and that that certainly could be a factor the other thing that we've always talked about and, and and again it's not a perfect criteria but the voters not consistently but pretty frequently love all decade players mm -hmm. and uh, that's another uh, advantage that freeney has over alan and they love super bowl winners i don't think those two factors alone should be enough to justify what we saw with Freeney jumping Allen and where Allen's sit. But in the voters' minds, you can see that tendency kind of elevating a guy a little bit higher and a little bit quicker than I think a lot of us would have thought in a case like Freeney. He's a guy that strikes me that he would have sat on the ballot for a while and eventually got elected. But for right. him to jump, as we said, from last year, from the 10 to 15 kind of grouping, we might expect him to drop to the final 10, but to get elected and jump some other guys was, um, I think, a surprise. And I think just a quick mm -hmm. shout out to uh, Jack Silverstein, who's been quarterbacking our mock ones. And he's done, he's can altered a bit, my opinion, a little bit, and maybe some of the others, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to really look at the people who are nearing the end of their candidacy. And I don't see any of that in what we saw tonight. Uh, or any evidence that they're, they're, they possibly are. Um, unless, so there's one thing I, I wanted to address. Uh, so check those out, because that's a, that's a regular thing that we do at Notton Hall of Fame. Uh, I think from there, I want to go to something I think will be pretty quick. Uh, someone who we've already inducted in our parallel universe, as it is. Uh, Patrick Wills, by the way, we already inducted, as we did with uh, Julius Peppers this year. Devin Hester was somebody that we've already inducted. Uh, I think we all feel that he's deserving. Possibly, and I'm, I'm after we're done this, I'm just going to write do my write up for the site. I've written down that I think that this is going to be the last special teams player I will ever see inducted in my lifetime. I disagree with you on that. Okay. Who, who am I, I missing? I think you're going to see two more. You'll see two more coming up fairly soon. 
Okay. Are you, or is one Matthew um, Slater? One's Adam Vinatieri. Oh, Vinatieri. Sorry, I wasn't thinking of kickers. I should have. 2025. So Vinatieri is clearly first to me. Okay. Um, and then Slater is, I mean, Slater would open up a whole new position, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see a Shane Leckler as a second punter. It wouldn't surprise me if we see um, uh, someone like, uh, oh, God, who's the kicker for Baltimore right now? I can't think of his name. Oh, Justin Tucker. Um, yeah, but Justin also, Tucker. Who's yeah, but you got to remember, accurate... I, I use my body a lot, so, like, my lifetime may not be that long. <laughs> oh, fair, fair. I mean, that that that, that, I, that I can't judge. Um, yeah, God, I, yeah, I, I hope we're not playing this next year as in, in, in memoriam like they sort of did on the honors. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see Vinatieri and one of those three guys I just mentioned at mm -hmm. some point in the next decade. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure Slater gets in. Maybe with the senior committee, finally we see uh, what's his name from the Bills? Um, Steve Tasker. Pete, Steve Tasker. Thank you. It's late. Um, I mean, if, who knows? They we they didn't put everybody in from the seniors committee this time. Uh, okay, but, so let me rephrase that. Last returner. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think you're probably right about that. Or, I I mean, gotta, let's I, pause for a moment because I think we can't let the moment go without realizing this is a historic because we have right. never had a kick returner, punt returner, a, a pure that, that was his primary role as a player elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We did notice two years ago, was, I think it was shocking to a lot of us, myself included, that he actually made the leap as a first ballot right into the final 10. Last year, slipped back to the 10-15 for the reasons I think we talked about before with the logjam of the receivers right. kind of mucking up the middle of the, the spot there. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, you know, a case was made and a convincing one he ate again that the voters bought into. My sense of it is um, kind of like, okay, we there's probably consensus across the voters and in the football historic community that he is the best kick returner returner in NFL history. Let's put him in. Let's get that discussion over when. And I suspect what's going to happen is the voters will be like, we got one in. Now we're going to move on. And and I think it would take quite an incredible shift. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe down the road we might see someone go through the seniors route. But as we're going to talk about, we've talked about before. There's no guarantees at all for that, but um, but I think we should you know note that it is historic um, and it's well deserved. But I don't think, unlike some people, I recall when Ray Guy was elected as the first punter, there was this thought, well, okay, the floodgates have opened, we're going to get two or three more punters in. Um, nobody, no punter has come close. Um, Guy went in as a senior. Um, no modern or senior candidate as a punter has ever advanced anywhere in the process ever since then. And I think we're going to see this and probably the same mindset by the voters. We got a punter in. Are you happy? <laughs> yeah. Let's move back to what we want to do, which is elect more receivers and running backs and quarterbacks and occasionally a defensive guy and maybe an offensive lineman when we think about it. Um, but it's still a historical thing to see today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and Hester and Peppers are both on two all-decade teams. Yes. Both right. those guys are double all-decade performers. So Hester and uh, Peppers is uh, Hester and Peppers both the 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Freeney was a 2000s uh, all performer. 
Um, and Willis is 2010's off performer. Uh, the only, oh, we haven't gotten him. So should I just let the count match? Should I just say, should we just go to Patrick Willis for a second? Since I already just said that. Sure. Yeah. So Patrick Willis is in. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we already <laughs> talked about Patrick Willis. Well, yeah, I mean, he played eight, what, eight years, seven first-team All-Pros? Yeah. Like, he, he had a foot injury, retired early. There's nobody who saw Patrick Willis play who did not think Patrick Willis is a Hall of Famer. Sure. I yeah. mean, he was the best. He was the best in his position for us basically every year he played in the league. And you can't ask for more than that. And while his career was short, it was only eight years. I mean, he made the most of those eight years. So... Patrick Willis is someone who we've been talking about for a while. He hasn't been on the ballot that long, mm -hmm. uh, but it's been something we're like, yeah. hey, we need he needs to get in here. There's no reason he's not in, and now he is, which is a very good job by the committee. He, In my opinion, he's the second best defensive player on this list. Um, Peppers is one. So I, they did the right thing. They put the, they put this two, the, at least the two best defensive players are in. You can quibble on Freeney. But you got the two best ones in off this list, so. Which is another trend I think we need to, let, let's give some kudos to the voters when we can. Um, that they, they are on a, a binge of, of electing defensive players. We've seen that now for several years. And it's been, it's really well needed because, you know, the, the pendulum had, was heavily on the offensive side. It's a total number in the hall, and it was for many, many elections. And their awareness and sensitivity, realizing, hey, we, we really need to be making sure we don't forget about the guys who play on the other side of the ball. <laughs> and um, and so, there, you know, this is another class like last year's that was really heavy defense, deservingly. But it just shows that they aren't. And, of course, we'll, we'll get to this in, in a couple of next few years. There aren't really many in terms of high quality quarterbacks and running backs muddling up the ballot, shall we say. Come on, Fred um, Taylor. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. You're, you're finalist. Uh, you're you're finalist. If you're finalist, there's a pretty good shot you're going to make it. So yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. Uh, so we have one uh, modern left. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm happy they at least got one wide receiver in. You, you talked about log jams earlier, and I'm more of a Tory Holt guy, but I think his accolades are better, but only because he had better people around him. Andre Johnson did so much on a Houston team that was not very good for a long time. I forget who it was who put it out there, just listed Andre Johnson's quarterbacks. And then you look at what he was able to do. Uh, I've got no problem with him being the main wide receiver here. I know we're all big on Andre Johnson. I'm so happy there's at least one person in this, in this category that got in. I guess if we were to say that he beat out somebody, would it be not so much Holt, but Maybe Antonio Gates. It could be. That's my in where that might have where it certainly happened. It certainly, I think, impacted the fact that we didn't see two wide receivers mm -hmm. uh, of the guys making that jump that we talked about before. And again, just just like we pointed out with Julius Peppers, here we have a guy um, who is the first Houston Texan to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a primary contributor again. And I mean, Kurt, I think you're, we, we, we made the case for him before. And it is clear that when you look at that franchise and the years that he played, he was the guy, right? I mean, they did not have a huge amount of success, but you're right. Just the rotation of quarterbacks and the presence of the, in the organization and in the league, 
and he put up certainly deserving stats as all the numbers are there. But again, it's kudos to him and the voters for realizing a he's very deserving. The Texans deserve to have him in the Hall of Fame. And like they had to do several years ago, the voters just not needed to get their act together and say, you know, we've got three wide receivers. This has happened before um, a number of years ago. And you just the only way to break that is get one in. And what's going to happen in the next two years, I can assure you, is the next two are going to be part of the next two years, because that's what happened when we had the log jam in the past with guys like Andre Reed and Tim Brown and Chris Carter. And yeah, that kind of happened. So congratulations to him and the Texans. Uh, and, you know, I think we're all very strong supporters of it because the credentials and the accomplishments and the stats certainly merit the election. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Andre Johnson is another one of those guys. You saw him play. There's no question that he was a Hall of Famer. Here, by the way, here's a list of the 13 quarterbacks who threw passes to Andre Johnson in the Houston Texans uniform. You ready? All right. The best by far, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Jake Delhomme. Got Delhomme was a uh, was a. Uh, Texan at any point. Uh, Matt Schaub, Matt Leinert, Sage Rosenfels, Case Keenum, Tony Banks, David Carr, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Tom Savage, Dave Ragone, and Rex Grossman. Oof. I think we can all agree there are no Hall of Famers in that list. No. There are no. No, <laughs> no offense uh, to those guys, but there are not Hall of Famers there. No. Uh, yeah, it's that he, he was a he was by far the best player on his team. Um, he hasn't waited as long as Holt. He hasn't waited as long as Reggie Wayne, who are the other two um, finalists in the fifteen here. Um, and of course, Holt, as I said, Holt and I, Wayne sorry. played with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. That is also true, which is not um, uncommon. Although, yeah. although again, uh, Bruce, Isaac Bruce has been in for a decade now. And I still think Holt was a better player. Um, uh, but the they needed to break the log jam. I disagree with Paul a little bit. I think that Tory Holt gets in next year. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if Reggie Wayne gets in right after because I think we're going to still have the log jam. Maybe like, well, Holt's the next guy up. And then we're going to have four wide receivers again because Larry Fitzgerald is coming. True. Um, and it, it, it there one of them will get in next year who I think is going to be Holt, uh, who's been waiting longer. And then we may get another log jam again with other guys coming in, taking the spot. And hope, and then and Heinz Ward may still be the only player to be on the semifinals list every single time and never make the finals list. Well, he's, and not only that, still, he's year, predicting that. Yeah, there's a prediction. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So we know the six to 10 this year, and Wayne actually slipped back. Uh, in mm -hmm. back to 1115, Holt still sits in that, which goes exactly what you're saying, Evan, in terms of where we go next with these receivers. Um, it, it, there is a path right sitting forth there for, for Holt very quickly. And, and yeah, I, I, you, know, you start looking at who's coming up in the next few years. Wayne could sit out there, and it's not uncommon for a player, even a receiver, to sit out there for several years. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to disappear at all, but you're right. I mean, he probably will fall back. And if they really broke this logjam because for those who don't remember last year, we had three folks who made that stage between they fell in that group from six to 10 in that round. And this year, obviously, there was just two of them. One of them, Johnson, got elected. Holt 
didn't move through election. Wayne fell back. So they really did break open that logjam. Yeah. We could also have another all-decade player coming in three years, which is going to like baffle voters with Antonio Brown. Well, I don't. I don't think. I think Antonio Brown is going to at least be waiting to be a finalist for a couple of years. I think um, so too. But I mean, you know, we bring up Heinz Ward, and, and I feel like we all. I don't know. Maybe we all think he's a little bit overrated or such. But arguably, when Brown gets there, he's the better Steeler. I mean, Antonio Brown is the number one vote getter for the 2010s All Decade. Yeah, and it, it's it's gonna be it's it was the most fascinating position when I first started paying attention. And it remains so now. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's get to the seniors, and I, what I'd like to do is, uh, if you're whoever's watching this, uh, and just for the three of us here, just raise something to our good friend Ron Katz. He did a lot of great yeah, work uh, to get uh, Randy Radishar into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he has been pounding that pavement since I've known him since and probably a lot for decades longer than that. Uh, former Broncos fan of the year, uh, always at events. He was there. I, I don't know if he was in the building, but he, he was definitely outside uh, representing uh, Randy and all the fine work he did. I'm it, it's funny, like I was going to ask everyone who we're most happy for. I, and my answer is Ron. That's my honest-to-God answer, just because I know how important it was to him. Uh, Paul, you and I did a show with him that'll come out soon, where we looked at uh, Denver's uh, Super Bowl, uh, for the first Super Bowl appearance. Randy Gratishar is a, a long time coming, and I think, you know, both Paul, you, uh, you too, Evan, I think you brought this up at one point, that that was the only team that didn't have any any Super Bowl participant that had zero representation. That's over now. Mm -hmm. and yeah. it's fantastic yeah, the only, the only god yeah so re reiterate again the only team that's ever made the super bowl with that again has players who are retired and right. eligible who did not have a single player in the pro football hall of fame is that that broncos team with the orange crush defense which is crazy because the orange crush defense is one of the greatest defenses of all time mm -hmm. um it's almost like when they finally put in um uh, Nick Boncotti for the no-name defense with the Dolphins. That was so well known. Yeah. We had the group of people leaders. You have the 85 Bears. You got the Orange Crush. The, it, those guys, they, those are the defenses, the Steel Curtain, right? Those are the guys you think of. The fact the Orange Crush had nobody is kind of amazing until now. And I think it's even more of a kick in the head. Well, thankfully, he's still alive to enjoy this. And yeah. from what we saw. He looked good. Yeah, he, yeah I was, I was he just going to say that. He looked fantastic. He looked better. He looked better walking across the stage in Williston right after him. I was worried for Willis. He looked like he was limping real bad. Hmm. I didn't really think of that at the time, but yeah, uh, I was more I was more concerned to like, wait a minute, there's only seven spots. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> exactly. No, kudos to kudos to our good friend and colleague um, Ron, and I know he's been a strong advocate in a very vocal way and very present and trying to get that uh you know randy's name in, in the media and, and and really going at it with a colorful kind of in your face very but but very professional and making a lot of very important connections and push, pushing that name for gratishar uh, was in the um centennial class what was then called the finalist of seniors right. and was not elected in that class and in fact the thought was that starting in 2021 some of those guys would then move through the process 
they haven't. He becomes actually the first mm -hmm. senior who was not elected in the Centennial class to get in. I'm not dismissing the guys who were elected in no, 21, he, he, 22, 23, but, but Bradishar was waiting and waiting and deserved and people voters were aware of him i think what really probably helped his case was that plus the fact that when we saw we we're going to three seniors a year we knew that there was a log jam at linebacker from the 60s and 70s there were several guys that are in that kind of discussion and i really honestly thought a year ago when we had this conversation that we'd be talking about randy gratishar getting him and it turned out it was chuck howley i think they were both kind of blocking one another as well as uh, Tommy Novavis and, and Max Berman, Berman, who are also kind of in that era of linebackers. So that is another kind of quasi logjam that's opening up. And it was great to see that uh, you know, we've been able to get who I view as two of the best seniors that have been elected these first couple of years with a three per year in and in both uh, Chuck Howley and now Randy Bradish are both. Yeah, I, I do. I do want to say, Paul, that that's the first one from the three process, but Cliff Branch and um, Thank you. Yeah, and, sorry. Uh, uh, Drew Pearson were both on also on that yeah. 2020 ballot and have gotten in since, but not not in the groups of three. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm pretty sure I'm right right on this, but um, I defer to the two of you. Gratishar was also a finalist in his when he was in the modern category at one point, was he not? Correct. Okay. He was a three. He was a two time finalist. Okay, so, I thought so. So he, he, uh, you you know me and my spreadsheets. Um, Not, that's, so why, that's why I know you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. Not that you. Yeah, so Gratichar was a finalist in 2008 yeah. and 2003. Yeah, so um, a, a long time coming, and just for from everything that I've learned about him uh, through Ron, just uh, a very humble, great guy who's not going to pound the pavement for himself and mm -hmm. pound the table, pound the table rather. So this is a phenomenal moment for him. Uh, the next one, or I guess the final one, it's bittersweet in many ways. Uh, Jack, or our good friend Jack Silverstein, has done a great job sort of explaining why he believes that Steve McMichael does belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm personally skeptical a bit. I Obviously, there's a great story here, and I don't want to take anything away from that, or a bad story, or because he's thankfully alive to see this happen, uh, whether he's going to be, hopefully he's still going to be alive to maybe attend the ceremony in August. His wife, uh, Missy, was there on, on his behalf. But I wonder if he doesn't have ALS, are we having this conversation? And I don't know that the answer is yes. Yeah, and a conversation I've had over the last um, several months since he was announced last August as a, as a senior finalist, maybe we had a conversation in one of our, 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 uh, our uh, podcasts about this. Voters are human. Yeah. And I think we need to stop and realize that emotion plays, empathy plays, and you can't shut yourself off from that. And watching someone, and again, I, I want to be totally respectful here of him and his family, but he's going through a horrific illness that mm -hmm. that visually, you know, is really stunning. And if you want to use that expression or just, yes. it, it's just overwhelming emotionally, the empathy that folks uh, understandably feel for him and his family that pulls at people's string and our strings very very hard and it had it was a factor the fact that there was unknown as to whether he would survive um, to see it ever happen 
I think you know we can certainly debate his his credentials and qualifications. I I think he's worth considering. What is he a top candidate? Did he advance quicker in the process than maybe others who had you know more accomplishments in terms of their career and credentials? I think that's probably fair to say. But it's very hard, you know, to, to see him elected and and poke holes at the case and the resume when you yeah. see what you're dealing with with the illness. And uh, it, it's sort of like, well, okay, that's that's just what the voters have decided to do. You had 12 voters who were in that senior committee. They He, he got that far. He had advocates in that room last August. And um, someone made a strong case for him. And, you know, emotions will often bubble up and and come in play. Just, just these people, again, these voters are human. It's, it's likely to be part of how they view candidates. It's not the first time. I'm not saying everyone. We've had other seniors, uh, unfortunately, who have passed away right before. We've had illnesses. Chuck Howley's had dementia for a number of years. You know, some folks, that was something that obviously resonated and moved them in the process. And uh, other cases, it didn't. But the voters made a decision to elect him, and congratulations to him and his family. Yeah. yeah, I I think that you and I have talked about this before, you being a Saints fan, Kirk, yeah. that you and I are both much more Pat Swilling people than Sam Mills people. Yes. Um, And the difference in many ways, I mean, Ricky Jackson and Mills are technically, I know Swilling's not technically a member of the Dome Patrol, um, but they, Mills was a very well-respected guy who had a terrible illness, and that story probably helped carry him past Pat Swilling, who, again, we both think was a better player. That said, um, when I mean, we've sort of had this mini debate tonight on our stream, which I still don't under, quite understand the the misplaced ire here. But when I living here in Chicago, when Richard Seymour was elected, the airwaves were like, look at McMichael's stuff versus Seymour's. Hmm. Like all this stuff. They were looking solely at statistics. They were looking at all pros and all that other stuff. Right. Um, and just saying, how can one get in over the other? Um, I personally don't think that McMichael is the best Bears defender out there. They could have elected, uh, even even on the seniors committee. Um, I think the best Bear available still at this point is Lance Briggs on the defense, and I don't think Briggs will ever get in. Um, but He's he was certainly not the weakest of the candidates, um, and it the story probably helped. And the fact they probably didn't want to X two of the candidates uh, probably also helped. Although they uh, on this thing they're, as they're well. doing this in secret, so they don't necessarily know who they're vote what everyone else is doing. Uh, one thing I found interesting, and again, thanks Clark for mentioning this, uh, they did not meet in person. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah because apparently there was weather concerns because this was be supposed to be the first time they met in person in three years four years uh, I, either way it doesn't matter yeah this, this this is my problem with our Hall of Fame process too when we're redoing it uh, both if we were if we're meeting in person both Sweet Youngstim and Hunk Anderson would already be in and we wouldn't have to keep voting with I'm more than happy to sort of record a bunch of that other stuff going forward as and <laughs> what Evan's referring to. Paul, uh, Evan, myself, and a pile of others, about 30 others, are part of the process that we call the Pro Football Hall of Fame Revisited, where we act as if the Pro Football Hall of Fame's first class was in 1946. 
and it's sort of fun as we're voting and the rules are changing as we go. And I guess I'm sort of the, the, the crap. What was the giant hands guy? I'm blanking on his name. David Baker. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I was going to call him David Baker, but that was R2-D2. Uh, if, if you had, but yeah, it's one of those things that we're in the same room. We, I could have convinced at some point a Hunk Anderson voter, because we keep sweet youngster using one vote short, could convince one of them to vote for us one time, and then all of us would have voted, because both those guys, I think, are different. those are the two most deserving people on the outside, but we keep splitting the vote, so. But you're uh, right, I mean, the dynamics are, are different, and uh, they, you know, since 2021, they've done the Zoom meetings. Um, the, the president of the hall last spring in an interview said he really wanted to go back to an in-person meeting, because he thought there, and obviously it was a different, it's a different format, it's a different dialogue, it, it, it's a different impression. We've all been in Zoom meetings versus in person. We know the dynamics are different. He wanted to go back to that. There was a plan actually for a two day, to host a two day meeting of the voters in uh, in uh, Atlanta in middle of January, two days just to allow the travel because these guys are, most of them are writers and journalists in the middle of the playoffs and they're moving from city to city for the games. And that was the whole plan, but um, yeah, weather just messed up. That was when we had the major storms across much of the eastern United States, so travel plans. So they ended up having to fall back to a Zoom format, which they had done before, so they could run it. But you never know, not just this year, but in previous years, the dynamics are different when you're in a conversation like this versus sitting around the room, listening to conversations, making eye contacts, and how that might play out. And also, you know, during a coffee break, you know, kind of side conversations in the hallway, you know, kind of this, which we know is sort of kind of the politics and the way that this can happen in group dynamics. We, we've all seen it ourselves that you don't get that in a Zoom format. And it, it certainly might have favored and disfavored candidates, not just this year, but the last few years. And I understand the hall does really want to do in-person election meetings and we'll try to make it happen next January to go back to that format for the very reason I'm just talking about. It was still an eight and a half hour Zoom meeting. Imagine that. Yeah. And the first, and can we transition the person who had got the uh, most time or do you want to go over the- Yeah, no, I actually do. Uh, I, Cause I think we're talking about the seniors now. And I was thinking when everything sort of came out, when it first, uh, one minute in the turnouts, it's, it's an hour, 10 minutes, which is hour, far, far better. Uh, with that, again, thank you, Clark, for for making that yeah. uh, public, which is, again, thank yeah. you. Uh, Buddy Parker did not get in. I think, for me personally, that was that was the biggest lock other than Peppers. How didn't this happen? And I have to wonder if they're in a room able like to politic for this. Like, what was going on in there where there were people sort of saying, like, nah, no. Yeah, I mean, thinking back in recent years, and yes, it's been great. One of the things that that Clark has done, as well as Peter King, when he writes his articles, often talk about the length of time. They can't talk a lot about specifics and, and pros and cons, but they do often talk about, and you get some sense of, of length of conversation, can tell you a little bit. And I don't know, I mean, I'd have to go back, and I don't have all the notes for him, but an hour is a long time in to be talking about one of 15, uh, sorry, 18 finalists, because they have to talk about each of the seniors and the coach, then vote on them separately and then move on to the moderns. That's a lot of time to put on one person. That's probably why it was an eight and a half hour meeting. And you wonder what was that conversation like? Again, not in the room with people, people making eye contact and whispering and asking questions, what that conversation must have been. 
And whether there was a lot of push hard by people trying to make convincing argument, was there counter argument? Or as um, the famous writer for Sports Illustrated, may it rest its soul, by the way, as a magazine, um, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Z, Dr. Paul Zimmerman, who was a longtime member of the committee and the, and the seniors committee, he saw enough of this over the years. He eventually resigned over what he called the silent assassins, which would be people who would sit in a room when a case, any case, in this case, we're talking about the, the coach contributor, coach contributor being uh, final being discussed and not say a thing. And yet the voting happens and obviously the votes weren't there. And it really upset him and other folks. Like, if you have a problem, it's like, if you have a problem with me, say it to my face. If I'm presenting a candidate and you've got cons, let's talk that out. Now, maybe that happened in that hour. Maybe it didn't. But I can tell you, Buddy Parker had a number of very strong advocates of, who were voters, who were part of the coach contributor committee. That's their job. The 12 of them met in August, made a strong case. There's been a lot of public um, sort of cases made for him, a lot of good strong justifications. And I don't think in the coming hours, in the coming days, in the weeks, that they're going to, those individuals will not remain silent. And I think we're going to see some fallout of some voters really upset because when you have 50 voters, those guys need 80%, the, the candidates that come from the senior and the coach contributor. If you have, I mean, that means 11 people. It may have been a skew of 11 people voted to no, which doesn't get them the 80%. And that's going to upset a lot of the other voters. And I think we're going to see some fallout here. They're not going to name names. They're not going to be unprofessional about it. But I can see Peter King in his column on Monday and in the coming weeks, um, Clark Tisch and others are, are going to say, listen, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. We have a committee for a reason. We bring it to you. We discuss it. Fair debate. But... The guy was qualified. They're really, whatever negative case, I have no idea what, what the negatives were. Were they enough to push him off when he has a slot and there's only one coach contributor slot? A lot of guys didn't get it and he did. And now in many views, it's a wasted slot. It was. Yeah. And that, and that's, always, but yeah, that's always my problem. So this is the first time we'll get to the other person did make it in. This is the first time since 2017. Yep. They haven't gotten all the slots in. <laughs> So when they came up with this slot overall, the coach contributor as one thing, the two senior coaches, I'm, I'm, and senior I know is a relative term, the, the two coaches who've been, you know, 40 years out who I thought we needed to get in were Coriel and Parker, right? And we got Coriel last year, and I, I actually didn't expect Parker this year. I thought, thought they might go to Robert Kraft, and I'll come back to Robert Kraft here in a second. Uh, but they went in the Parker, and I was like, well, if it's Parker over Kraft, that's fine. We'll get Parker in, and we'll go. We'll move on from there. Uh, with Parker not getting in, I, 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 as I said in our little chat, I thought there was a possibility they get Parker in, they might. I think we just lost Evan. Okay. All right. So I, I guess I'll sort of like uh... – Finish off where I think where I think he's sort of going because I know that him and I we've talked about that. Uh, Vinny, uh, our good friend Vinny Lospinuso, uh did a separate case on him on Vinny makes the Hall of Fame case for. Uh, he actually sent me a message. Am I back? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, you're back now. We lost you for a minute there. Sorry about that. I I was making great points and all of a sudden you. Got <laughs> um. No. So I was saying is I thought if, if they got Parker in, they're going to go a little bit more field, like get yeah. an administrator, get somebody like that because they got the two coaches in. They get somebody weird. We lost him again. 
Watch it again, Evan. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hopefully that we're we're gonna see that uh, that happen. I, I I totally agree with what a lot of people are saying, myself included. Uh, it's it's a wasted spot, and you know, to your point though, uh, eleven people were in that room, or maybe more, which is crazy in itself. And I, I wonder about those silent assassins, and we've seen in our group where. There's a higher, I don't want to say a hierarchy because that's not quite right, but some people are more vocal and verbose than others. And you don't know what's going in through through everyone's mind. I know that when we do our end votes, every single one of us always seems surprised at the end mm -hmm. result. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, I thought it was going to fall. And we yeah. all have different opinions on how we think it's going to fall. But, you know, you hear some great things and... Like I'm always surprised every time that Neil Smith never gets, yeah, all the way. But whatever. I mean, that's just me. Others will will say the same about Leslie O'Neill. Uh, but then I, Kevin, I, I, please, I, I Kevin Williams, please. Yeah, Kevin please. Williams. Well, and someone Tim McDonald. It, it, it's just an, an interesting process, and I. Well, and so, I, and I think there's going to be. I think the fallout that I'm that I'm referring to, and again, it's just possible what could, would move forward. Because we've seen this happen before, back when we had two seniors on a couple of occasions, Bob Hayes was one of them that got turned down one year. And what the committee did was they took a year or two and they paused and went to other candidates and they brought them back. I can tell you right now, if these same guys are going to be on, unless they resign, in which they very well might, um, the fact that Bob Hayes wasn't elected actually is what um, Paul Zimmer forced him to resign from the seniors committee because he thought that was just ludicrous for the very kind of thing we're talking about here, what happened to Parker. So if, if these same strong advocates stay on that committee and they're going to bring him back and, and again, it wastes a slot, but they're not going to walk away. It may take a year or two. I think Evan's probably right. Maybe they shift over off the coaches and maybe look at a contributor. Um, they may do yeah, that, yeah. but they're going to come back to him. I think the other thing that we're going to hear, and I don't know whether it's even feasible, but it wouldn't surprise me if the 12 of them on that committee go to the hall and say enough is enough. You have this 80% rule. We have to bring them to the full committee. I can imagine where 12 of them might make the case and say, listen, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, love it or hate it, there are two separate election processes. There are these committees that are voted just by committee and get in versus, as we know, the process by which the writers have their votes. It would not surprise me, again, just speculating, that one of the reactions to the from the members of the coaches contributor committee would say, no, we want a process by the way we pick somebody and we elect him. We're even willing to meet the same day or the day before the full committee meets in January. There's been talk about combining meetings. They might just say, listen, we're fed up. If we're going to go to all this work, just give us the ability to elect one guy in that case and not have to bring him forward to the full committee. By the way, the 2020 Centennial class did not go through the full process of full committee. That upset some of the members who weren't on those committees. I'm just saying there could be a fallout of people who say, listen, I'm putting the time and energy into these subcommittees, whether it's this case, the coach contributor one, give us the authority and we're just going to elect somebody. Even if it's, the, we won't do it months ahead of time, maybe we'll do it the, the day before in January, whatever, or a sub-meeting. That could be a fallout here. They're just, they're so fed up with having 11 or more silent assassins spend an hour trashing their case, or maybe that's not how to characterize it, but 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 then turning a guy down that that they move forward in a process in which they started with dozens of coaches and contributors right and got it down to one and then six months later the voters just undermine them. There's going to be fallout. I can tell you right now. It happened twice. Yeah, there should be. 
Yeah, it was, so sorry. So what I was hoping my internet stays for this. What I was trying to say is next, the next nominee will be Bob Kraft. I'm just telling you right now. They're going to do, they're not going to put a questionable person in front of them at all. Bob Kraft will be the next one. The one after that will probably be another coach, probably a Tom Coughlin, a Mike Holmgren, someone along those yep. lines who's had, had multiple Super Bowl wins and is not going to be a thing. And then Parker will be back. I joked that he's going to be the class of 2027. Parker will be elected in 2027. It'll be Kraft, a coach, Parker is what's going to happen. You know, and, and it's unfortunate, but the reality is, of course, uh, Parker is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, there's not a sense of urgency, but there is a sense of history. And if these members on that committee want him in, they're going to find, they're going to get him in. He's long since dead though, right? Like, I don't yes. know when he passed away. So I think, I think, I think, if okay. I left it up right there. All right. The, the, the reason why I bring that up, and I, I think goes back to the point made earlier, Paul, I mean, like, people are human so you get that emotion and then when you see mongo in that state where he can't talk and he was oh my god such a character in every way way shape or form parker's long gone i mean people my age and i'm 51 have no direct memories of buddy parker and i'm we have to sort of expect that again like we always say people vote on people at the end of the day when i was in sales people buy from people it's hard, harder for that person, and I guess we saw with Art Powell. You know, again, if you're a pre-19, pre-merger person, uh, there's my elevator down right there. Everyone who played who played football or was a candidate before the merger, yep. This is a message to you. We've seen that as a as a problem, and it's just it's just being highlighted yet again. You know, in the case of Parker, he had a strong case made for him a year ago. He, he was not selected as one of the senior finalists or the coach contributor finalists, excuse me. And he has two, there are two longstanding members of that committee who each took a turn making his case and and then they've got him this far this year. Uh, but he, the challenge they had is finding people who actually played for him and coached, you know, they found a few folks, but trying to make a case and to lack of a better expression, the guy's not here to defend himself, and and neither are his supporters, which makes those cases even harder, which also reinforces the fact if the committee is doing due diligence, and I'm sure they did because he got some great presentations both last year when he was a finalist but not selected this year, a finalist as a coach contributor, those people made really good cases. The full committee needs to acknowledge and respect that and move forward and not pull these kind of shenanigans where no, we're, we're just not, you know, elect them. Um, it doesn't make anybody look very good. It makes the process look poor. And Kurt, it does reinforce concerns a lot of us have that, and you mentioned earlier in our conversation, as every year goes by, people forget more and more about the 70s and the 60s. And in this case, Parker was a coach in the 50s, um, a very good coach with Detroit Lions in terms of winning multiple NFL championships uh, in a season when the, the Lions have suddenly just returned back to that kind of level of prominence. Um, and it's, it's a problem the Hall is aware of, and they're going to have to figure out a way to fix because whether it's coaches or whether it's seniors just aren't getting due diligence, they're going to have to figure that out because the history of the game is, is worthy. And there are guys like Parker and players who played before 1960 who deserve and never actually been discussed. See, Parker's never been discussed in the room, but this is the first time. Uh, many others are in that kind of group. 
it didn't go very it didn't go well at all and it's it's not a good look for the hall when you think of the hall representing the history and, and, and as its function as a museum and you got voters who don't care or appreciate or value that's the kind of messaging they're sending it's Some kind of, of if i was part of that of that uh committee that put forth these individuals i i feel like this was a big f you to me yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think you're going to hear them come out and <laughs> not use that phrase but i think they're gonna challenge i think they're gonna confront in a professional public way that very point is we are all colleagues and peers we are charged with this responsibility we put time and effort in we go from dozens of candidates to a guy like buddy parker we bring him to you we present a strong case, we argue for it for an hour, and then you don't elect them. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. Yeah, and, and and I'm looking back over the the senior elected seniors over the last time, the, the class of 2020, we had Slater speeding Sprinkle. Well, Slater was born in the 1800s, so he's the furthest back, and speeding Sprinkle were 40s, 50s players. But everyone else after the, other than them has basically been 70s and since. Uh, the very few Winston Hill was in the 60s with uh, with the Jets. Uh, but Winston Hill may very well be the last AFL main AFL player we ever see elected. Um, at yeah, the way like, things are. I guess we should so, look at Art Powell, the second person who. Yeah. Did get passed over. Uh, Member of the All Decade team for the 60s for the AFL, the only yeah. All Decade. Team the yeah. I don't think, uh, from what I'm gathering here and reading the room, we're not as passionate about his snub as we are with uh, with Parker. But still, uh, it's almost equally surprising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the same dynamic, right? It's the same problem where, in this case, the Hall made it a, a, a made a step because of voters on the seniors committee saying we have a whole bunch of qualified candidates, we just can't get them in at one. And then in the early 2000s, they got two slots. And now this was the second of three years where we're getting three each year. And to try to clear, again, a log jam of that type. Seniors, including, as we said, many of them who played before 1970 or even 1960, for that matter. And so there's a, a well intent. The Hall recognized it and a process by allowing the committee to put forth three and do all that same due diligence again. And yet here we are having the same kind of issue that we just pointed out and if you've got 50 voters and you've got 12 who also sit on the seniors committee they're probably all strong advocates for the history of the game and some of these guys the seniors who have not played for decades again you have to wonder well what are the other 38 voters and frankly if the other 38 voters aren't history aren't interested in the history of the game they aren't interested in seniors unless they played in the 80s and 90s then maybe they shouldn't have a vote Maybe it should be just a senior committee, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, like the coaches and contributors, and let that committee of 12 do due diligence, have a meeting, and elect, in this case, next year they will have three slots again, elect three people, and not have to bring them forth to the full 50 if the other 38 voters just aren't interested in that era. Yeah. And I, I so I said that when the, we, we had heard ripples that there are some people going to be very upset. And that we thought originally that was just Antonio Gates was got passed over, who for what we thought was Tory Holt ended up being Dwight Freeney, probably. Um, but I said that my thought was I was worried our power was going to be the person who got cut. 
because Art Powell's argument is it's just not as impressive looking as some of the other folks. And a large part of the argument they had when he first came out back in August was his work in civil rights, the civil rights standing and things along those lines. And when the outside the football thing is major part of it, and he's kind of a borderline candidate, it makes it a difficult sell for some people is what it comes down to, particularly in this polarized world where we have, you know, uh, standing up for anything having to do with racial anything gets certain people just real mad. Um, so I was, I would, my first thought was I was worried that Powell was going to make it. Then we found out through the grapevine, Parker did make it, but we and thought Powell did. And then there were only seven people on the stage. Um, I don't think we will ever see Art Powell again. Unlike Parker, I think oh. Art Powell's done. I don't think we'll ever see him again. Um, my guess is next year's seniors, after seeing this, are probably like Roger Craig, Elsie Greenwood, and like people who have been on the ballot multiple. Joe Jacoby. I'm just throwing three names out. Yeah. Like people Sharp, have been Sterling, there. Sterling Sharp is another guy. Sterling Sharp. But the difference is Sterling Sharp was never finalist. I'm, th I'm wondering if we're ever going to see people who are like multiple time finalists on the ballot and they're just going to throw those out there like, well, hey, we'll get these people in. We tried tried this other stuff. Gratishar was on, like we said, a couple times. He was on the 2020 ballot. So this was technically his fourth time. Uh, Mongo had never been there. Powell had never been there. I'm wondering if we're, the other reaction is, well, fine, we'll put these people up and been multiple times and see how that goes. Um, yeah, but I think you're they, right, Evan. I mean, once once the discussion as subtle or as or as small of a factor it might have been once the off the field becomes part of the case being made no, no matter what that means it 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 is sort of a flag to a lot of voters because they faced a lot of criticism over the years for some players they've dinged or wouldn't vote for a variety of different off the field issues mm -hmm. of various types um and it they become more sensitive to okay we we the bylaws don't allow us to consider that. We shouldn't be doing it. So I, I was a little nervous when the senior committee announced that Powell was one of their finalists because that it came out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming. Yeah. I mean, he jumped from, from for a lot of us who followed the senior process for many, many years like myself. He really did jump right into that semi-final stage, which we've only had the last two elections for seniors into the 12 finalists last August. Okay, fine. But then to see him jump right into the election and then the argument he made that you mentioned afterwards about his, the important role he played off the field with, with civil rights, no matter how you feel about that, it's an off the field factor. It's not a and he has the stats, and, and it, but it's not an overwhelming case. And it does open this issue that voters, frankly, have the voters at the 50 of them. Um, when they met in January and conducted this election, announced tonight for the results, have an avenue to say, mm, and that they probably didn't say anything. I don't know how much, I'll be interested yeah. to see what the debate was there as well, but they have an out to say, if you're making this case and that's, you're, you're presenting it to us off the field, his contributions, we're not supposed to consider that. That could have compiled a lot of no votes just yeah. on that principle. Like I said, I thought, I thought that all the candidates, well, other than Fred, Okay. Um, and it, it, if something was going to go awry, again, Parker is shocking to me. But if it was. Almost had it. 
Almost. All right. Uh, well, I, hopefully we get them back up. But it's sort of interesting though, you say like about like off the field stuff. Uh, I look at how they closed the ceremony today. And I'm not going to rant on Prince Harry because I can't stand the bastard. <laughs> hey, he went to a he went to a costume party as a Nazi. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, they close it off. Uh, they don't do this every year, but they close it off with the Walter Payton Man of the Year. So basically, mm -hmm. are we then saying that off field stuff matters? I mean, there was a lot. There was a whole lot of stuff more than I remember in previous ceremonies, where you're talking about character. And how mm -hmm. character matters. So, should it? Should it not? I mean, Cameron Hayward. If we were doing our elevator up, elevator down, he's my biggest winner out of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, for for winning that because he's somebody who's going to have a borderline case. Uh, well, I think I think we talked about this last year because it, we started to see it, and the fact I think that again that they they announced the MVP, who who we think that's the most prestigious award when you're the Associated mm -hmm. Press MVP award. That and then. They did that, and then they announced that last year was Dak Prescott who won Man of the Year. Um, yeah, so we started to see more and more. But I think the thing we need to be careful: the league is all, and we think we talked about this before last year, maybe. That the league is trying to broaden its view, its perspective. It's trying to show what 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 the players are doing positively. Mm -hmm. They're trying to build a strong image, etc. That's fine for the league, but the Hall's rules, the Hall of Fame, which is not run by the NFL. They don't own or operate. They don't run the elections. Their bylaws, and they've stood fast to this, is no off-the-field factors can be considered because they don't want to become the Baseball Hall of Fame who opened people. up a can of worms with that one. As but, we know, it's been a problem for decades. So I, I, I get where you're going, Kurt. I just, the Hall doesn't doesn't want to entertain that because it's a, it's a very publicly slow. But you can't get behind the minds of voters and you're very somebody who's high-profile because of their social activism awareness, which is fantastic, great, they're doing that, their community work, their fundraising, it does raise their profile, and voters are members in the media. So when they eventually get on the ballot, it could be something that they're more familiar with it, look at the case, look at the on the field. It, again, they're human, they, they, they see what these guys are doing and what accomplishments they have, but until the rule, and I don't think the Hall is going to change that rule because they don't want to open that issue of allowing... Um, off the field issues to be part of that discussion and the voters are quite clear that they won't we just talked about the fact that it looks like that might have been an issue that sunk our pile the case being made too much there that will be off the field but it isn't from the league's perspective is interesting what the league's doing it's not like the hall is reflecting on that same kind of trend but more popular and more people know you the better off i'm sure i'll come back so you're saying then from everything that Darren Sharper has a chance since we're not looking at off-field stuff. <laughs> Do we need to get into that tonight? Well, we're not getting into that tonight. Uh, we're No, we're, we're definitely not. Uh, we'll go into those. Uh, do you have who... Oh, there he is. Uh, do you have who went from five, 6 to 10? Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, kudos to our, our good colleague and friend and, and voter, uh, Clark Judge. He, he puts out a story right bang off when the election was announced tonight and he has, he has prepped up. So what he always highlights the time and he talks about, you know, who, who you know, the surprises and, and et cetera, but he also gives us the list. So we know that Willie Anderson, Antonio Great Gates, Terry Holt, uh, Jared Allen and Darren Woodson were in that group 
for people who are talking to us, you start with 15, you, you have a conversation, the presentations of all 15, discuss them. The first vote down goes to final 10. And then the final five, the final five get a, a last vote of the 80% of their end. We've already talked about the five moderns elected. So those guys that fall just as close, they're, they're one step for, down in the process, but not elected, that six to 10 group is sometimes this year it wasn't so much because the people jumped it. But it is, it can, in at least in the long run, maybe not next year, but over a couple of years, it is a cue worth watching because the voters have, have support more for them than the others. So yeah, that in that group, we've got Willie Anderson mentioned, and John U. Gates uh, Holt, who's been in that group for a while and part of that receiver uh, logjam we keep referring to, Jared Allen and uh, Darren Woodson. And we noted that uh, Reggie Wayne was in that group of the six to 10 last year in the wide receiver logjam. He fell back into the, the group from 11 to 15. So it's an intriguing group. It does kind of set forward the queue. But as we pointed out, three of last year's uh, folks from 11 to 15 this year jumped right over that step and got elected. <laughs> I, um, that's I, a lot I do kind of feel, though, I do kind of feel like that is a pretty indicative. Willie Anderson's ahead of Jari Evans, is what that's saying. It's saying Darren Woodson is ahead of, of Rodney Harris. It's saying Corey Holtz ahead of Reggie Wayne, right? So in terms of those ones, I think it's pretty indicative as to what they're thinking. So those are probably at least at those positions. And then again, I'm a huge Patriots fan. I was not expecting Rodney Harrison to make the final 15, but once he was there, I wasn't expecting to get in either. He's someone who's going to have to wait a little bit to get there. I'm not surprised Woodson made the jump. Woodson was probably helped by the fact Harrison was there. Um, because they had to make a decision between the two, cut one, keep the other. Yeah, that probably helped Woodson a little bit. Yeah, and we see that 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 that, that you're right on to it there, Evan. That's something we often see. The voters, you know, there is a thought about position. You can have more than one position elected, but there is a, a cue and kind of a sequencing of of ranking by positions and moving guys forward and kind of laying that out. And as you're right, as, as much as it is a cue from year to year, it's certainly a cue of by position who's the voters have a little more interest in and the support is a little more there. And it's not to say any of these guys in, in six and 10, they, they, some of them might drop back next year to 11, 15, but they aren't going away. And if they made sure. it this far, it's just a matter of the same as Jared Allen. Uh, I think this was his fifth year. Am I correct? As a yeah, he's, so he's, he's, he's the most tenured person yes. on this list. And oh, no, maybe he's in next year. I'm sorry. Holt is in terms yeah. of being a finalist. Yeah, in terms of being a finalist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now those it's not uncommon for a guy to, to wait six or seven years. Uh, I I always point out that all pro offensive guard Alan Fanica. Oh, that's the dumbest was a one. Six time finalist, so it happens. Yeah. Well, and, we we, yeah. we all know that Fanica's spot went to yeah Coach Cowan, and they didn't and that's like, just they were like no to yeah. It happens. It is not a necessarily a negative in, um, evidence of the, the the voters. Obviously, have enough support to get them that far. They're not. They're not saying they're not deserving. It's just they just don't fall in that top five and get moved forward. So I fully expect. And we talked about um, Holt before, but also for Jaron Allen, um, these guys are going to move forward in the process in the next few years because they're they're set up to do that. And as Evan is saying, they're kind of at they're they're the leading candidate at their position. Mm -hmm. And we watch and see what the first ballot candidates in the next couple of years will be. There may be a bit of shuffling, but these guys are well positioned for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think we made a promise, didn't we, Kurt, that we were not, not going to discuss 
candidates first ballot candidates tonight for the class of 2025 because we don't want to no. have I don't want to have it no no yeah. well, well we're gonna have that another time but I'm, I'm gonna give you some information that you don't know yet uh so uh Mount Manitoba uh Evan knows this is soon to be relocated yeah. oh yeah to, uh, to Mount Rainier uh come, come, come <laughs> April <laughs> He's unleashing the Kraken. Impressive. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there you go. I won't be able to say here in Canada in two months anymore. So uh, I, I I thought I'd let you know that. So which also means direct flights from Seattle to Cleveland. Huh? Uh -huh. <laughs> there you go. And all your Winnipeg jet gear gets, gets tossed to the local charity in Winnipeg, tossed. right? Again, toss her in the same conference. I'll probably see him a little bit more. I think the Seattle people are chill, so I'll be able to wear my Jets gear with pride. Now, my Saints stuff, I don't know how that's going to fly with the Seahawks. They're a little bit more rowdy. I don't know. We'll see. Well, 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 carefully. To, be, to be honest, though, the biggest Seahawks Saints thing you can think of is Marshawn Lynch, who's eligible next year, uh, running over all the Saints defense. Uh, you know, 17 power. Um, so Thank you. So what do we yeah. think? Um, what are our overall impressions? You know, we've talked about the surprises. Uh, we've talked about elevator up, elevator down, as you call it. Um, I guess I always like to say congratulations to the members yeah. of the class of 2024. Of yeah. Think, you know, we, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to poke at the, the candidates. We'd like to pro and con, which is a great part of it. We'd like to point out where we think the voters are, are wrong. Um, but at the end of the day, in this case, it's a smaller class than we've expected, a smaller class than we've had for a few years, yeah, like, maybe eight or nine, nine since the seniors were expanded to three. But I, I just guess, I think it's also worth just congratulating each one of these individuals. Sure. It's a tremendous honor for all of them and for their families, um, acknowledging their careers and their place in history, an opportunity for them to come together in Canton in August and celebrate that. So kudos to our class of 2024. Yeah, let's keep it positive. You know, at this so here, here, what here's what I like most about the class: they elected Gratishar, who was one of the biggest yep. snubs out out in anywhere. I love the fact that they elected Hester. I think Hester is a unicorn in many ways, but incredibly deserving. Uh, I actually showed my son again. I live in Chicago. He doesn't know much about the Bears. I showed him Hester's mixtape of all of his of all of his uh, touchdowns. He's like. How did anyone tackle him? And I'm like, well, most people didn't. Um, so, yeah, Evan, I, Evan, here's a question. Sorry, I, I just don't didn't want to forget to ask this because you as a Boston transplant, and your your son being what is he? Ten? He's nine. He's nine. Okay, we're well, close. Uh, is he a Pats fan like his dad, or has he become a Bears fan? Neither. <laughs> um, so, uh, I he's there's here's what he did with sports. There's nothing I can do. The Bulls logo root him in he's a bulls fan there's no question we're actually going to the Bulls celtics game coming up uh, later this month um so he's a bulls fan for hockey he's i got him on the bruins uh the bruins are my first love we got lots of Bruins stuff in this house so he's a bruins fan for hockey baseball does not exist to him it is one of the most boring things in the entire world uh so he does not care his third his sport he actually cares about most is uh soccer and he's become a massive liverpool fan uh, mainly because he loves Mo Salah. Um, and for football, so I'm a Patriots fan. The Bears have been terrible. He doesn't want anything to do with that. His first football game he remembers watching was the um, 
was the Rams Bengals Super Bowl. And mm -hmm. during that Super Bowl, he decided he was going to root for the Bengals. And the Bengals, of course, he stayed up for the whole thing. The Bengals lost in the end, and he was disconsolate for three days. And so I have somehow have a son who is a Bengals fan based off of one game. So it's oh, Bengals man. all the time with him off of them losing a Super Bowl. So what about your kids, Paul? Are they Cowboys fans? Uh, no. <laughs> My son actually, um, you know, we watch football, but his name is Matthew. So he um, gravitated towards Matt Ryan. In fact, um, you know, he still mm -hmm. has a jersey of his. And, but as he got older into high school now, he went to college and now he's out of college. Uh, he still follows football, but he's an avid soccer fan. And, and a big uh, Formula One is probably his biggest sport that he follows. In fact, him and his girlfriend are going to Montreal, the Formula One race uh, in June. So that's kind of where, I mean, he still follows football, but, he, but he's kind of gravitated to some other sports. And my daughter, um, interestingly, and it really doesn't, she played soccer and other sports, you know, in high school and whatnot, but never been a football fan. But I think as she's getting older now, a lot of her friends and boyfriends and people she's hanging around with talk about football. So occasionally she'll be patient enough to sit down and watch highlights or a game for a little bit. And, and, uh, but she doesn't have a passion for it. They, they you know, they, they find their own interest. My son and I went to the hall of fame a number of times when he was younger. So he kind of had an appreciation for the history of the game, but he never really, besides the Falcons. And then when they lost their Super Bowl, that was, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. It's a great um, thing when you have yeah. just two dogs. You just put whatever jersey on them and just say they're a fan. Yeah. So hold on. Go, going back to what was good though, um, uh, I like the fact Bradshaw got in. I like the fact Hester got in. I like the fact we have five out of five on the moderns. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they got it right with Peppers. I think they. I like the fact that we got Andre Johnson at least one of the wide receivers in. Um, uh, I again, I'm surprised with Parker. I'm not as surprised with Powell, uh, but I'm very, very surprised with Parker. I think that's the biggest mistake they made. Freeney is not the person I would put in uh, out of the rest of the people, but it, it, does he is he like an embarrassment to the Hall of Fame? No. no. So does it? doesn't matter that much. I mean, it is Antonio Gates a better player when I rather have Antonio Gates and Dwight Freeney? Yes. But it's not like going to ruin the Hall of Fame for me because Antonio Gates has to wait here. Yeah. Whenever anyone gets mad about first bat Hall of Famers, I'm like, it took Joe DiMaggio three I times know. to be the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. So and we didn't we didn't talk much about Antonio Gates because I think, you know, a lot of us felt that he had a, a pretty strong case. Although, you know, thinking back a year and over the last year not among our group perhaps but just some other you know social media thought there was some folks that thought you know maybe gates wouldn't be why well if i could be blunt the voters the, the voters hate tight ends um and they don't elect um tight ends in first ballot you know, tony gonzalez was they don't elect a lot of them and a lot of them have waited um going back decades guys like john Mackey and mike ditka and guys who still after this age of tight ends we're in in the last few decades names that are still resonating as among the best tight ends in the history of the nfl so it's not completely surprising but you know he has a lot of touchdowns has the receptions in an era where tight ends played a lot more he has a, he has a unique skill set and the reality is he's not going 
going anywhere. I mean, I, I you know, I agree with you, Evan, and we get these debates, and I've had some debates on online with people who follow the hall very closely who who feel that the first ballot honor is something of great prestige. And and I think maybe when the voters were doing this exercise in the 70s and 80s, it clearly was. But for me, and I, and I, other people have said the same thing, when Jason Taylor became a first ballot Hall of Famer, and again, no criticism, deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, but then you get to wondering, like, okay, what does that really mean? And even some of the voters, we started hearing some public discussion about we're putting in too many first ballot. It should be more of a rare. It isn't really a rare thing, but so the and fact that he's not first ballot. There's something to you know, that. It doesn't really resonate. I mean, the thing I remind people is you go in the Hall of Fame, you look at the bust, you go to the ceremony, you look at the bios and all of the memorabilia that on display of the Hall of Famers. And guess one thing you're never going to know is who was the first ballot, who was seventh ballot, who was 14th year on the ballot. They're all treated the same, which is the right way to do it. I mean, you can do the research and they put the lists out so you know how long people took. But the point is, first ballot is not a special part in the Hall of Fame. They don't get a gold bust. They get a bronze bust. They get a gold jacket like everybody else. Um, it's, it's a unique honor. Fair. But it's a media public thing. The Hall doesn't really promote it as such. Obviously, we know who they are. And you're right, Evan. We can go through a checklist of a lot of historically great players in the NFL who are not first ballot. Yeah. And if Antonio Gates, he's going to wait one year. He's, he's not going to sit for years. It's, he's going to be in that class next year, I have no doubt. Um, so there's Chargers fans that are livid and angry. Well, okay, whatever. But I'd be more worried about a guy, again, my bias, a guy like Buddy Parker, who may never get again the chance. When you see a guy who's first ballot, they don't get in, but they're that far in the process, they're going to be fine. And sometimes yeah. like okay, – sorry, Evan, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the one that always got me for the first ballot was when Warren Sapp got in and Michael Strahan didn't, and Warren Sapp made, like, a big freaking deal about it. And I'm like, yeah, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, I, I, as, someone who, as someone who faced Strahan in a Super Bowl, I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl, uh, I would much rather have had Strahan on my team than Sapp. I know Sapp was a dominant player, but he was also a complete utter jerk. Yeah. I'd much rather have had Sturahan on my team, all things being considered. And I, I, at that point, I was like, what do we really care here? Unless we get to like something like Banica, which was six years for a guy that good, that was dumb. But like, once if you're second, third, it doesn't really matter to me that much to me. Which I'm going to give you a great example of someone who really cared and is trying to do that parallel Hall of Fame, Terrell Owens. If he's mm -hmm. inducted first ballot, is he going to then try to do this, uh, what, Hall of Fame for the people, whatever the hell he's trying to do? I mean, I don't even know uh, what it's called. That, that's my quarterback. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. No, but that, yeah. that's neither here nor there. All right. Uh, I guess we're done this this segment here. Uh, Paul, thanks for, for coming Paul, up with this. Thank you very much. Because... This has sort of been great, and I think this might be one of the first times that, granted, this isn't a live reaction, but it's about as close as we've ever sort of done, and mm -hmm. all our opinions are pretty fresh, maybe raw sometimes, too. I don't think it was too raw, except for my uh, Prince Harry shit, but other than that. <laughs> well, we'll give you that. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that, yes. No, I think it's a great opportunity to chat with you guys, and, uh, you know, it's not live, but it is, it is sort of in, in the coming 
um, days where I get some more insights. You know, some columns will be written by by some guys. Um, come out of the pod. And we'll see the knocks. We'll yeah, see the announcement, happy. those announcement videos, now that they have a Hall of Famer making the announcement, I love those things much better than when David Baker was knocking them. Yeah, in. those are great, and they package those up, and, and uh, they usually preview it over the weekend, and we're, we're online, and then we'll see it come out in a show. Those are great to see that, and the knock on the doors, uh, which now they do in the weeks between the election and the announcement, and uh, to see the, the live reaction of some of the guys, and especially those who or maybe a little bit surprised or have been waiting for a long time for them or their family. And um, the same goes when we, when those of us who uh, have a chance to go to Canada in August and uh, you know, Steve Michael and um, a couple of these cases are, and Red are going to be very helpful, helpful, emotional mm -hmm. um, things for, for the players, for their, for their families. Um, Evan and I are planning to go this year. So we are, we are talking about going this year. So yeah. cool. Yeah, I was talking to Jack. He's he's making his plans, and I sort of said to him, you know, my advice is, you know, if he, if he needs any, I've been a number of times, uh, but it's you got to go once. You got to kind of get the experience of it. It, it there's you know because we follow it, and it's just uh, you know it's something to, to kind of experience um, and be able to see the hall and kind of see the ceremony event. Um, it's just something you know to do once when you have an opportunity, and of course for him. And I just just maybe to wrap up real quick, I was just updating the list roughly off the top of my head and my notes I had. So this means with the, the three bears are getting in, if we count um, that gets the bears to thirty three Hall of Famers that currently have thirty for, for forty overall because there are seven partial yep. Hall of Famers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going by the primary contributor numbers. Yeah. You're right. That gets the Raiders get up to twenty one, which gives them up sort of top ten ish on that list. Forty ers up to eighteen. The Colts seventeen. Broncos up to ten, and then we mentioned. Uh, both uh, the Panthers and the Texans have their very first primary contributor from a Hall of Fame. So, and, and yeah, oh, Bears so Nation, Bears Nation will flood Canton because they're not a long drive. Um, and I'm, I would guess that they're going to end up playing in the Hall of Fame game on the on the Thursday night. That that will be announced for a few more weeks, but I'm guessing they try so to build that. You're arranging the hotels the for us, right? What's that? You're arranging the hotels for us, right? Good luck. <laughs> Talk to Jack. He. Yeah, no, but, that's the hardest part about all this planning. Getting here and getting around and seeing things, getting tickets for the ceremony, easy peasy. Finding a place, um, you probably end up somewhere in Cleveland, which is about an hour away. Yeah. It, it fills up around here. There aren't a lot of hotels, and that's always even Jack. I think he ended up a little distance out, like we did last year, a few of us, which is fine. Oh, Jack was there last year too. No, I mean myself and and uh, our good friend Ron and uh, and Vinny. We stayed in a couple of different hotels, but we were out out uh, east of Canton by about forty minute drive because yeah. which is easier to find and easier to get back in and out of the hall. Whereas around Canton, around the stadium, there are hotels, but they're all filling up, wow. and of course the prices are outrageous. So you have to do, got, do a little bit of shopping around. <laughs> if I've got all of you there, I got like five babysitters when I get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, Depends on what evening. Who's going to bail you out Friday night? Who's going to bail you out Saturday night? Is that what we're talking about? I've, I've never been in jail. I don't know. In you said babysitters. I wasn't sure exactly what that entailed. Oh, God. Two of us to carry you in, two of us to carry you out, that kind of stuff. As long as it's not, as long as six of us are carrying them out, we'll be fine. So, um, anyway. Seven shouldn't be an issue. Hey, hey, Paul, thank you very much, man. Take so, care. All right. Thanks, guys. Good.